It's great to have you with us from wherever you're tuning in from. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app. We hope this message inspires and helps you to take your next steps in your journey. Well, good morning. Great to see you this morning. Great that you're here. Question right off the bat, has anyone got a food, a particular food item that you can't bring yourself to eat because you've had a bad experience in your past? Anyone? Yeah, me too, me too. Mine's Brussels sprouts. Brussels sprouts, pretty controversial food item, uh, at least uh, where I'm standing it is. Because for me, growing up, the only way that we were served Brussels sprouts were boiled for an indefinite period of time so that all of the goodness and the vitamins ended up in the water and therefore down the sink. And the only thing that was remaining in the Brussels sprouts was the significantly bitter aftertaste. So I cannot bring myself, from the day I left my parents' home, have not a Brussels sprout passed these lips. Not one. And uh, look, full disclosure, I want to like Brussels sprouts for a very practical reason. I grow, I have an urban farm that I've got going at our house. I grow a lot of the the foods that we eat, the fruits, the vegetables. Uh, But because it's an urban farm, you're limited with space. And the key is, just like the New York City, Manhattan skyline understands vertical real estate. So if you didn't know, this is actually how Brussels sprouts grow. They grow up. So I'm like, man, Brussels sprouts, uh, tomatoes. These are like the perfect vertical vegetables for my urban farm. I can't do it. Can't do it. Now, anyone got a great Brussels sprouts recipe you think might change my mind? Yeah, all right. Good. Listen, good. But here's the thing. But, but no, Louie's got one, but she doesn't cook. Now, uh, it's kind of like wasted. Um, Great, if you go away, but keep it. Because honestly, I have had, for decades, have been, oh, but if you had just had them this way. And if you, all right, look, I'm closer than I've ever been. The day that I heard that, the, that they could be prepped, sautéed in butter with bacon. Yeah. I'm like, all right, all right, all right. You've got, look. I'm not there yet, but you've certainly got my attention. I mean, I would be tempted to eat a used leather boot if it was sautéed in butter and bacon. So, all right. But until that day, I'm stuck in the doom thought loop that Brussels sprouts are from the devil. Okay, I'm I'm stuck in that doom loop. I just am. And, and this is how the doom thought loop works. You have a bad experience. From that bad experience, you start to think bad thoughts. Thinking those bad thoughts, they start to limit you, limit possibilities, limit what you might open yourself up to. You know, maybe you've had a tough relationship breakup in your past and you start thinking to yourself, there's no good men in the world or no good women in the world. And so you're kind of just stuck with the possibility that God might have someone down the pike for you. Stuck in a a tough financial situation. 
and, and, and you find yourself thinking or telling yourself that you're never gonna be enough, you're never gonna have enough, there's never going to be enough and you're always going to struggle. Maybe struggling with anxiety and depression and you're telling yourself, there's no way I'm ever going to get through this. I can't see a way forward. And so you get stuck in that doom thought loop. And here's why it matters. It's the reality that we can never rise above the level of our thoughts. See, if you're convincing yourself that you're never gonna be free financially, there's a pretty good chance you're never gonna be free financially because you haven't given yourself the permission. If you think you can never live forgiven, you'll probably never allow yourself to live forgiven. And so big idea today, if you wanna fix your life, fix your thinking. And it's week two of a series we launched last week called Chasing Happy, okay? Uh, we're gonna be spending just a few weeks focusing on a letter that a guy named Paul, one of the early church leaders, wrote to a place, or the, 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 the Christians in a place called Philippi. And uh, it's actually considered the most popular letter or book in the new part of the Bible. And more specifically, we're focusing on chapter four, which is the most popular chapter in the most popular book. And the reason it's so popular is because it's all about joy. And, and there's a gravitational pull from a lot of people to read that because we want more joy in our lives. So I'm gonna take you there. If you've got your smartphone camera, you can scan this flow code. It's gonna take you to Philippians chapter four. I'm gonna drop us into the New Living Translation. You don't have to go to that translation, but uh, it's really good uh, practice to read several translations, but I'm gonna chuck us in there. Uh, so while you're doing that, let me just give you a little bit of a setup because what Paul does in this chapter, in this letter is he kind of pulls back the curtains and he, he teaches some very low-hanging fruit, some very accessible daily practices that we can actually uh, inculcate into our lifestyle that will produce and lead us towards experiencing more joy. So last week, we dropped a couple from Paul's teaching. One was uh, go to the source of joy, that, that joy comes from the Lord, not from circumstances. And so if you want more joy, spend more time with God. And one of the reasons we gather as a church is to come together and intentionally take the time to really lean into God. And as a result, we're going near the source of joy. And the second one was practice prayer. And it's this idea that Paul said, whenever you find yourself starting to worry, use that as a cue to pray. Not like tomorrow, not like after lunch, like bam, down tools, quick prayer and let God flip the script for you in that moment. The next practice, as you would have probably figured out for yourself, is all about thinking. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. So he's coming near the end of the letter. One final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honourable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. I've underlined this because Paul's making the point, fix your thoughts. He's highlighting the reality that this won't necessarily be an automatic thing, that it has to be intentionalized. That if we just kind of go with the flow with our thoughts, think about what everyone else thinks about, think about what we're told we should 
be thinking about. Then going with the flow with our thoughts, we're more likely to actually drift to a place that we didn't ever intend going. So Paul instead says, fix your thoughts. It's got to be intentional. It's got to be a practice. And then he gives us a checklist. True, honourable, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, worthy of praise. If thoughts don't line up with that checklist, then we need to start to retrain our brain and think differently. In my early 20s, I worked in the fitness industry, specifically as a gym instructor. Been there? Been there? Uh, And in the gym industry, working as a fitness instructor, um, generally, and this was my experience, you you work with the entire range of clients, entire range of members. You got brand new gym newbies, never set foot in the gym, bought the sneakers, for that day one experience, no clue whether the machine's upside down or right side up. And everyone in between right through to the, the, the decades long gym veterans. And one of the roles as the gym instructor is to work with the, the, the range of people to help them do the, the thing more effectively, to do it properly, to, to ultimately not injure themselves and get the result that they're looking for. And it's actually might be easy to assume that the most challenging clients to work with were the gym newbies because you know they never set foot in a gym, didn't know whether you're supposed to sit facing this way or this way, and it like, Ugh. Uh, you know, actually the most challenging people to work with were the gym veterans, in particular the self-taught gym veterans because they've been doing the thing for a long time. They've been doing the thing their way for a long time. So I would see them and like, bing, 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 professionally, even though I kind of came to learn it was an exercise in futility, but professionally, I was required to go to them and just very gently recommend, maybe just with a little tweak, uh, you could actually get a better result. I mean, you're here. Why wouldn't you want to leave having done a more effective workout. That's my assumption. And so, you know, most of the time, they would play the game. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. All right, show me. Oh, okay. okay. And then I'd get them to do it, you know, like a couple of reps of whatever it is. And I'd be like, great, that's perfect. Right. And then I'd turn around and walk away. And immediately, they'd go back to doing it the way they were doing it. What they didn't realize is the gym is full of mirrors. I saw their flagrant disobedience in three different angles. But I, the reason I share that is it's actually a clue when it comes to our thinking. And it's just a full disclosure reality that the longer we've been thinking a certain way, I'm not saying this to discourage you, but if you don't understand or recognize this, you're kind of... The, the longer that we've been thinking a certain way, and this works both good and bad, but let's just start with the bad aspect of this. The more challenging it's going to be to change your thinking. Having said that, you're like, oh, great. It is possible, but it will take intentionality and it will take some time. 
Now, I shared a chart last week. I'm going to share it again. I kind of uh, buried the lead on where the, the chart came from. It came from this book called The How of Happiness. Pa-ching. And in this book, The How of Happiness, basically this author, Sonia something, uh, she, she distills, oh yeah, right, you have a go then. Uh, judge me for not being able to pronounce words with very few vowels. Um, she distills essentially like the last 20 years of social science around the concept of happiness and joy and, 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 and just kind of puts it together in this book. Now, she came up with a chart. This is a chart I shared last week. Essentially, she says the research points to the fact that, that 50% of our happiness and joy is kind of predetermined, kind of preset. It's like it's a genetics thing. So if you don't like it, blame your parents. That's the reality. You chose bad. Uh, so it's like, oh, okay. And, and, and it recognises that, that therefore that some people have a higher set point. Some people find it easier naturally, genetically, than some other people to experience joy. Uh, and then, you know, people who have a lower set point are actually coming from a, a lower starting point. They find it much more difficult to experience joy. A couple of thoughts just to insert that I didn't touch on last week. Um, if you're the boing, 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 it's gonna be a great day, it's gonna be a great day, it's gonna be a great day. If that's you, if you're the Tigger from Winnie the Pooh, uh, great, congratulations. You can't take any credit for that. Um, you can ring and thank your parents. Uh, but if you're that, um, join me. I'm a bit more like that, thankfully. Uh, join me in extending grace to people who have a lower set point. Okay? Like, oh, why can't you just cheer up a bit? Like, okay, it is possible, but at the same time, just, because just understand, for some people, it's a bit more of an uphill battle. So be encouraging. Be if you are the person with the lowest set point, then please access the resources that are available. Don't run from them. Don't pretend you don't need them. You know, things like some supplementary medications, things like counseling, things like groups. These are things that God, like the best, latest available resources that God will actually put in front of you to give you a leg up if that's your situation. All right. Now, then... She talks about 10% of our happiness is the result of life events. And the mistake too many people make is they assume wrongly that it's actually 100% of our happiness is determined by life events and circumstances. And then she talks about the research pointing to 40% being practices, being habits, being things that we do or don't do consistently that have a positive or negative impact on our joy and happiness. And, and it's actually that that we're focusing on through this series because that's the one that we have the most control over. And in fact, when it comes to this, Paul, in another letter that he wrote, wrote to the church in Rome, he kind of drops a cheat code of how thinking and retraining our brain, how it works and, and what it leads to. This is what he wrote. Don't copy the behaviour and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person, oh yeah, by changing 
the way you think. Right, so that's the instruction. And here's the promise. And this promise, it's a cracker. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. Hello. Which is good and pleasing and perfect. This word copy, I learned this, this is like a, a, a bit of a, tra- well, a very transformative verse in my life, which I learned 20 years ago. And from the New International Version says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but instead be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This version says, don't copy the behavior. That word copy or that word conformed, the original Greek word, this is one of the like, you don't even know you knew Greek, but you're about to find out you know some Greek. The original Greek word is schematic. Oh, all right. Wow. Okay. And it points to this idea, don't let the world around you construct you in a specific way that's different from God's best. Because if you allow it, it'll, it'll happen. If you, but instead, construct a better schematic. Construct a higher schematic. And that better schematic is constructed by changing the way you think. And then you'll know the will of God. You want to know the will of God? We need to start renewing our mind with the Word of God. Because that leads to that. Which is why we consistently throw this up. The Bible app. It's the... Every, you even have it when you go to the toilet. You have it within reach. On your smartphone, the Bible app. You can scan this QR code. And every Monday, we put up what's called a featured plan. It's like a devotional. It's like a, each week it's different. It could be three days, four days, five days. We kind of do the plan that you can kind of get it done from one week to the next. Even skip a couple of days you still get there. That's kind of the idea. And the featured plan that we drop there every Monday echoes what we've been teaching about on the Sunday. And it's just this easy, accessible way to renew your mind with the Word of God that will better lead you to understanding the will of God. So don't miss out. All right, question. How many of you here believe in luck? I'm like, uh, <laughs> look around, does anyone else put their hand up? Sounds like, sounds like a setup to me. Sounds like a trick question. All right. Uh, a few months ago, during the dark recesses of a miserable Perth winter, I got up early before the sun was up and I went for a run. And it was raining. So it was just me and the rain running. Went out, turned around, come back. About two blocks from home. And there it was. on Because no one's around. I'm just running on the road. I'm not running the footpath. I'm running the road. Rebel with a cause. And, uh, and I'm running down the road, two blocks from home. $20 note lying there with my name on it. So I'm like, hello. I picked that up and I said to myself, I'm now officially a professional runner. I just got paid 20 bucks. (laughs) 
Okay, I looked around to see if someone had dropped it or if the police were watching. But anyway, none of that happened. And I started, and I started about two blocks from home. I started thinking to myself, man, how lucky was I that I got up early and went for a run? How lucky am I that on that particular day, I chose to run when I could have cycled. I have an indoor cycling setup where there's no rain. Uh, I thought to myself, uh, how lucky I got up early before no one else was out and about. And then I thought, how lucky was I that it was raining, that the $20 note was literally stuck to the bitumen and didn't blow away. This guy named Richard Wiseman wrote this book, The Luck Factor. And uh, he spent 10 years of his life (laughs) researching whether or not there's such a thing as luck. Like, is it a thing thing? Um, and his, actually his overarching conclusion of his research is that luck isn't actually a thing thing, but that people who saw themselves as lucky were more open to seeing and pursuing opportunities and possibilities. Get this, this is one of his research protocols. This is, I love this. Okay, so one of his research protocols to you know, test the hypothesis, is there such a thing as luck? Is it a thing thing? Is he had uh, people respond to um, come in for a research uh, protocol where on arrival, he would ask them to, the subjects to self-identify as either lucky or unlucky. Do you see yourself as lucky? If you see yourself as lucky, that those people were put in one group and they went into that room. And if you saw yourself like self-identified as unlucky, those people were gathered together and put in that room, okay? Then he gave them all a magazine, the same magazine. And it was just a commercially available magazine. Gave them all the magazine. And the task that, that they were to complete was to count the number of coloured pictures that there were in the magazine. Now, the, the correct answer was 43, Okay, they didn't know that, just you count. And when you get to the end and you've counted them up, let me know what you think the number is. And well, everyone in the self-identified unlucky group, all of them came to the correct answer, 43. However, it took them typically several minutes to work their way through the magazine to count accurately all of the pictures and get to the number 43. By comparison, the group who self-identified as lucky, all of them also got the correct answer, 43. However, it took everyone in that group literally seconds only to arrive at the number. And the reason was, is Richard Wiseman took out a half page ad in that magazine on page two. And the magazine ad that he put in said, you can stop counting now. There are 43 pictures in this magazine. Nobody in the group who self-identified as unlucky saw that ad. Everyone in the group that self-identified as lucky saw that ad and were like, 43. Now, I'll go on record as I don't really believe in the 
such a thing as luck because to me it kind of points to the idea that no one's really in control of the universe, that everything's kind of random, that everything's just fate, that there's not a God who's sovereign and, and interested in the details of our lives. I, I'm more of the, I believe there is a God, He's Charles in charge, He's large and in charge, He's on the throne, He's sovereign and He's interested in the details of my life and He's interested in the details of your life. And so what we can learn from this, this study is not so much how we can self-identify as lucky, but how we can actually embark every day with a simple prayer, God, show me what you're doing today. I, I, I'm, I'm gonna be on the lookout. That's like, I'll play my part. <laughs> I'm gonna be on the lookout. You wanna put an ad on page two? I'm looking for it. And if that's gonna give me a leg up and, and find more of your will and your joy, then sign me up. And what you'll find is you will start to see more of God at work in your life. Because here's the way our brains are wired. We typically find what we're looking for. We typically see and identify what we're looking for. So two things. One, I'm gonna give you something to take home. It's called good news for a bad day. Well, I'm calling it good news for a bad day. Uh, it's a series of uh, promises from God's Word, from the Bible, that you can use in particular situations, okay? And I'm just gonna go through them real quick. Don't panic. Uh, you can go to our website, elevatechurch.me. And when you do, ka-ching, um, there's a media tab and it has actually the slide deck. That's what you're looking at from last week's uh, message. The slide deck. So everything, every one slide, click, 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 click. So last week we had 13 slides. You can go and have a look at that. So today's slide deck, um, well, spoiler, it's already there. Uh, no, it's not. It's going to be there this afternoon. Jared has not mind melded it onto our website just yet. Um, it, it, he's three blinks away once I finish preaching. <laughs> Okay, the team do a great job putting that up there. Uh, so it's gonna be up there this afternoon. So this is what you're gonna find. It's there and you can get it on your mobile device. Click, 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 click. Oh my gosh, yeah. Good news for a bad day. Pff, I really needed to read that. Again, if you're in the doom loop, you can intercept that. Intercept it with God's Word. This is the pro tip. All right, so you ready? Here's some examples. And there's plenty more where these came from. When you think nobody cares or understands what you're going through, Psalm 34 verse 18 says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. When you think God doesn't care about your worry and your anxiety, He will take delight in you with gladness, Zephaniah 3.17, with His love, He will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. When you feel like your problems are gonna wreck your future, Paul wrote to the church in Rome, verse, uh, chapter eight, verse 28, God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. When you're discouraged, you're not sure how you're gonna move forward, Deuteronomy 31.8, do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. When you feel like a problem is too big, you don't know how to handle it. Jeremiah 32.27, I am the Lord, the God of all the peoples of the world 
rhetorical question, is there anything too hard for me? When you feel like things are coming at you too fast, whoa, 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 you're getting into the whole matrix kind of thing, dodging those bullets. 1 John 4, 4, the Spirit who lives in you is greater than the Spirit who lives in the world. When you feel like you're all alone, Jesus said, Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest. When you feel like you don't have the resources, the money, the time, the skills, the capacity, the experience. Paul, in this very same chapter that we're drilling into, and this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from His glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Now, let me just hold that one there because there's a, there's a clue and, and it's easy to miss. Paul writes to, this is that same letter, Philippians chapter four, writes to the church, this same God who takes care of me. See, this, is, this, this chapter of this book is called the, the, the book of joy and this chapter is like the chapter of joy. And if we didn't know any better, we could just read and go, oh yeah, yeah, easy for you, Paul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were a big deal in the early church. Yeah, 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 yeah. What would you know? You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I'm going through. As if you'd know anything. I mean, it's great. Right, sure. Uh, uh, it must be nice. Having no problems must be nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And here's the reality. This is why Paul said the God who takes care of me. He was writing this letter while he was under arrest by the Romans for preaching about Jesus. They saw him as a threat to their authority. So, and he writes this in, in chapter one and, and uh, that he's in chains. And if you miss that, you might think, he's probably writing this from some banana lounge on a Fijian resort somewhere because he's just all up in your business about joy and God's taking care of me. In fact, Philippians 1 verse 13 is where he references the fact that he's in chains. We don't know where. We don't know if it's house arrest. We don't know if it's a prison. He's there awaiting trial. Which, by the way, in the days of the Romans, they didn't give you a set date. It's just kind of like, we'll come get you when, we, when, when we're ready. And, and people would often die while under arrest, waiting for their trial date that never got set. But we don't know if that was Paul's, we, we just know he was, he was under arrest, he's, I'm in chains, and that's all we know. We don't know where, we know it probably wasn't the first time, we certainly know it wasn't the last time, but we don't know much about it. The reason we don't know much about it is Paul doesn't focus on it. Barely mentions it. Now he could have written this letter. Oh man, this sucks. I've been wrongly imprisoned. This is an injustice. They're disrespecting me. They're disrespecting God. I don't deserve this. And can I tell you about the bed bugs? Ah, the worst. But instead, from that exact place, he wrote a letter all about joy and gratitude. It's as if Paul knew that our level of joy and happiness doesn't have to be determined by our circumstances. It can be determined by how we think about and respond to our circumstances. 
So here's a pro tip. For every grumble, there's a reason to be grateful. Look for it, it's there. Every time you grumble about having to pay taxes, yeah, you know who you are. (laughs) Be grateful that you earn enough that the government's come looking for you and want some of that little something, something. When you are seeing that number clocking up at the petrol tank, boom, 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 boom. It's like, what? You're thinking you're gonna have to auction off a vital organ on eBay to pay for this thing. Be grateful that you have a reliable mode of transport. Not everyone in the world has that. Next time you wanna grumble, some of your parents buckle up. Next time you wanna grumble, about how messy your kids are, be grateful that they're still within hugging distance. (laughs) Did he really just say that? Yeah, he did. So there you go. That's today. We really hope you got a lot out of this message. If you live in the Perth area, we'd love for you to join one of our live experiences. For times and directions, as well as information, head to our website, elevatechurch.me. For those of you beyond the Perth area, we'd love for you to connect with our online experience, which premieres every Sunday via YouTube and Facebook Live, and on demand immediately after. And to partner with us to reach more people by giving financially, head to our website, elevatechurch.me and also download our Elevate Church AU app.